This podcast is brought to you by The City Church in Mississauga, Ontario. For more information, please visit thecitychurch.ca. We hope you are encouraged by this message from our lead pastor, Frank Coulter. Good morning again. Well, as I mentioned, our um, high school students and a bunch of leaders are up at Muskoka Woods camp uh, this morning, and they're just getting ready to have their last session here in a second. I was in touch with Tyler uh, this morning, and they said they've I actually had to drive my daughter up on Friday, so I stayed over. I got to be a part of a couple sessions, but Tyler said they had an amazing session last night uh, for our high school students. So I thought we would just pray for them uh, collectively this morning before they start their sessions. So let's just all bow our heads and pray. Father God, we're so thankful, Lord, for the young people in our church, for our high school students. And God, we just thank you, Lord, as they are finishing up the retreat this morning. I just pray that you seal in their hearts all that you have done in them uh, this weekend. I just thank you, Lord, for your grace upon the worship team and the speaker uh, today as they're ministering your word and leading them in worship. And I just thank you, Lord, that you're ministering to every heart, every one of our students, every one of our leaders that are up there. We just thank you, Lord, as they travel back, that you are... Uh, that you are giving their, your angels charge over them to keep them in all the ways. And we thank you, Lord, for safe travels for them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, if I could just make mention uh, for a couple, for the parents, if you have a high school student up there, um, don't grill them as soon as you get them in the car. Uh, if when you pick them up, what happened this weekend? What did you do? They're going to be exhausted. They're going to be tired. Uh, they're going to tell you at some point some of the amazing things that ha- that happened this weekend. Uh, maybe right before bedtime or something like that. But as soon as you get the, don't give them like you know the third degree. As soon as you get in the car, experienced youth pastor right here. Trust me as I say this. All right. Okay, let's turn our Bibles this morning to Second Kings chapter seven, and we are in week three of a series we have called Risk Takers. And what we're talking about in this series is we should not be the museum keepers of our lives. In other words, everything that's good has happened in our lives has happened in the past, supposedly. So I'm not actually doing anything today. And the way we're defining risk, we're not talking about foolishness. We're not talking about putting your life in danger. Or, you know, like I said, if you ever see these videos where kids are like at the top edge of really tall buildings and they're, you know, they got their cell phone like on a selfie stick and they're watching they're walking on the edge of a building very dangerous none of that type of stuff that's not the type of risk that we're talking about Um, but we don't want to uh, just remember everything that's happened in our lives we actually want to think forward and we want to think forward um, as it relates to our relationship with God and we want to solve the problems that we are faced with and uh, so I looked up this phrase you know risk management a lot of companies have risk management And it says minimizing negatives and maximizing opportunities. And so that's how we need to think about the problems that we're faced with in life, that these are opportunities for us, and that we want to maximize the results of the problems that we are facing. So as we look forward in our lives, you know, a lot of times we try to have an exact blueprint of everything that's going to happen a year from now or two years from now and exactly the result of what it might look like and how I could predict it. And we actually can't have that. We can't have, uh, and, and there's no five-year period, I would guess, in your life that you had it mapped out exactly, that everything would happen exactly the way you thought it would. But what we can guarantee in the middle of all of that, in the middle of our journeys, that we can guarantee our, we can guarantee our attitude. We can choose our attitude every day. 
We can choose a good attitude in the middle of difficult situations. And then we can also choose our actions. There's a lot of things that are going to happen. But then how am I going to respond to those things with my attitudes and my actions? I can always choose those things. And that's what we're talking about in this series. So 2 Kings chapter 7. And this is the, in the time of the prophet Elisha. And there are these four guys outside of the city. And Elisha had prophesied about it, a change in the economy that was coming. And then these four guys, these lepers, that, that these guys had a skin disease. And in this time, um, you know, people weren't sure about contagions and things like that. And so they just said, you know, these are the sickest people. We're just going to put them outside of the city. We, we can't deal with it anymore. We, we, they might be the problem. So people had to leave their families and they were living outside of the city. And we get to hear a little bit of these four guys speaking. And it says this. Now there were four men who were lepers at the entrance to the gate. And they said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die? If we say, let us enter the city, the famine is in the city, we shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. So now come, let us go over to the camp of the Syrians. If they spare our lives, we shall live. And if they kill us... We shall but die. So these guys had a very simple life philosophy. If we stay here, we might die. If we go there, we might die. If we go there, we might live, or they'll kill us. So it was kind of like binary options for them in their lives. And, and kind of the point that we're taking from this story is it's a risk to stay here. It's a risk to do nothing. But that is also a risk, a different type of risk, to go forward. And, and we want to, once again, maximize our opportunities. We want to minimize the negatives. We want to maximize our opportunities in life. And then we know the story. They went in there and they got blessed. But just sort of this way, hey, it's a risk to stay here. And it's a risk to go ahead and do something. It's a risk to be lazy. And then it's a risk to take action. But it's a much better risk to take, to take action than to be lazy. Lazy is never a risk that you want to take. Do nothing. Is never a risk that you want to take. We always want to have our lives going in forward motion. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 verse 1 says, Send your grain across the seas and in time profits will flow back to you. But divide your investments among many places for you do not know what risks might lie ahead. When clouds are heavy, the rains come down. Whether a tree falls north or south, it stays where it falls. Farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. And if they watch every cloud, they never harvest. So here's some great life advice. For us, we're waiting, sometimes we're waiting in life for perfect circumstances. We're waiting for people to treat us perfectly and do everything right and do what we want them to do. And if they do everything right, I'll be a happy person. If everybody just treats me well and everybody says exactly what I want them to say, then I'll find some sort of happiness. Or if I'm, if I'm waiting to do something, if I'm waiting to learn or to grow or to or try to move forward in my career, I'm just going to wait for the perfect circumstances. And the point of the story is the perfect circumstances never come. You will be waiting forever if you're waiting for perfect circumstances. So we want to be constantly sowing seed in our lives, taking the risk to sow seeds, not standing at our window waiting for the weather to be perfect, figuratively speaking. And then it said that the, that type of farmer, they're never going to harvest. But we do actually want to harvest. We want to harvest in our lives. We want to experience something in our lives from the seeds that we sow. Not just circumstances that come our way. Because what we've been talking about in this series is that circumstances are always going to come our way. There's going to be things always coming in our direction. But what we want to do is we want to have an intentional harvest 
from the intentional seeds we sow. So we're not going to wait. We're not going to wait for perfect circumstances. We're going to take that risk and we're going to do uh, plant the seeds that we want to see a harvest from. So as we've been saying, since we know the pressures of life are coming and when the pressures come, it's going to try to get us off track. It's going to try to get us to quit, you know, to, to once again, do nothing, be lazy. So we have to decide ahead of time, what are we committed to before the pressure comes? And one of the, the, the lists that, we, that I've come up with is that we want to be committed to God. First and foremost, for those of us here who are Christ followers. Because why? The pressure is going to come. And there's going to be difficulties and there's going to be struggles. And there's going to be things that want to push God off of the throne of our lives. Things and then people and then my ideas. All of these things want to push God off the throne of my life. To remove God from the centerpiece of who I am. And we, we talked about this. We illustrated this week one with the story of the three Hebrew children that got thrown in the fiery furnace. You remember that? So, hey, you got to serve other gods. And we're like, no, we're not going to serve other gods. And they're like, well, we're going to throw you in the fire if you don't serve other gods. We're going to force you to do this. And we're like, no, we're still going to serve God no matter what you threaten us with. And this is the way we need to have this resolve in our lives that nothing is going to get me off of putting my trust in God. Because why? The pressure is going to come. But I've decided ahead of time to follow God. Family, relationships. Who are the people that we are committed to? Because why? The pressure is going to come. It's going to get difficult in those relationships sometimes. And we won't spend too much time on that because we just did four weeks on people problems. But we need to know ahead of time... When we do experience problems in our relationships, oh, who am I committed to? Because why? Pressure is going to come and it's going to want to push us off. Purposes. What are the purposes for my life? What am I actually doing with my existence? I need to know what that is. I need to know, you know, and, and I mentioned for me, it's a, a husband and a father and a pastor. And so these are, these are, I know for sure, these are the purposes of my life. So when the pressure comes, I'm not stepping out of those things. Those are who I am. Those are what I do. So I'm not letting the pressure move me off of the purposes of God for my life. And then we talked about this list last week, convictions of integrity, about being an honest person, speaking the truth. And as we read the stories last week, we, we saw that speaking the truth, not everybody always likes it. And then it's not always perfect circumstances after I say the truth. But it's worth the risk. It's worth the risk to be an honest individual. So I won't go over that. But those messages are available on our website and through our podcast. And then the other thing, and this is what we're going to be talking about today is problems I'm solving with the people I'm serving. We're going to talk about uh, part of, a big part of what your life is all about is solving problems. Did you know that? Did you know that if there was no problems, you would have no job? Did you know that? Because there's issues you're fixing at your job, Right? Otherwise, you wouldn't have a job. Are you out there? You got the deep philosophy you're thinking about. I'm not sure the problem that I'm solving with my job. But if you think far enough in, or I'll help you later after the service if you want, 
but you have a job because somebody has a problem. And what you're doing with your job is you're fixing problems for the men. And I say this working inside, inside and outside of the home. Everybody's fixing problems. People that are at home working with kids. <laughs> there is constant problems. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Constant stuff. Fixing it and cleaning it. We're doing this and we're doing that. There's just problems everywhere we go. Problems. See, and if we don't realize that that's actually part of the purposes of God for my life, that I am actually partnering with God to bring order to his creation. That's what I'm doing. Right at the beginning, what, what did God look out and he saw darkness and what did he say? He said, let there be light. He fixed the problem of darkness with light. So when we look at it in our lives and we realize that there are problems, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to be taking a risk and solving those problems. That's what we're supposed to be doing with the people I'm serving. People I'm serving inside my home, people that I'm serving outside of the home. And what we never want to do is we never want to be afraid to face the problems that we're confronted with in life. Because that's what can happen to us. We look at a situation, we look at a problem, and we don't know. How, how am I going to solve this? What is going to be the resolution of this issue? What am I going to do? And then what can happen to us is we can just get afraid. We can look at it, and we can get afraid, and fra uh, fear just freezes us up. Stops us in our tracks. And what is that like? Well, that's the pressure of coming. The pressure is coming our way, and it's coming in the form of fear. But I am, I'm solving problems. That's what I'm doing. I am a problem solver. That's what you are. You are a problem solver. You have problems unique to you. You got to take a risk and solve those problems. But we can't let fear dominate us and hold us back from doing nothing. It's a terrible risk to do nothing when you face a problem. And even when that problem Causes fear in your life. It's a terrible risk to do nothing. It's a much better risk to think, you know what? I'm going to solve this problem. I'm going to solve this problem with God. Psalm 56 verse 3 says, When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you, in God, whose word I praise. In God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? This phrase right in the middle there says, When I'm afraid, I put my trust in God, whose word... I praise. I praise the word of God. In other words, I give preeminence. I give the highest place in my life to the word of God. Now, fear is also words. Fear comes to us and says to us, you can't. It's too hard. There's no solution for you. It's too difficult. And if you ever Google your problems, it's always the worst. Never Google your problems. Google will always come back with the worst answer. It's always negative. Google will always be negative. Google's not a person. That's not a thing. But fear has words. Fear is speaking words to you. It's tormenting you. It's holding you back. For the problems specific to your life. What are the things that you're facing? What are the issues presented to you 
that you are supposed to be solving with your life, that you're partnering with God to bring order here. They're different for you and for me. But we're not supposed to be cowering from our problems. It's a terrible risk to take. God wants us to solve the problems that we have in our lives. So we're not going to praise the word of fear. We're going to praise the word of God. What am I imagining about my future? Am I imagining about my future the worst possible thing? And so what am I doing when I'm doing that? I'm worshiping the words of fear. It's not worth it. It's a terrible way to imagine your future. What we want to do is imagine our future with God as we put our trust in God. So we're going to look at a story here in the book of Judges. One of my favorite Bible stories we're going to read here about Gideon and how he was presented with a problem. And initially, he's just filled with fear. And, and we will read it and we will be identified with some of the words here of Gideon in Judges chapter 6. Now, in the book of Judges, this is the time before the kings. And so Israel was ruled by a succession of judges. And what happened in Judges, it was, was a terrible, actually, time um, in the history of Israel. They, it, it said over and over again, you know, they would serve God for a while and they raised up a generation who didn't know God, and then they would mess up, and then they would find themselves in captivity. And this pattern just happened over and over again. It's kind of the pattern of the Old Testament in general. But here they found themselves um, in Midianite captivity at one of these times, and and Gideon is there. And we're just going to read this story here. Uh, We'll start in Judges chapter 6, verse 7. It says, When the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent a prophet who said... So let's just stop there, pause there for a second. Israel had a problem... They cried out to God, and God sent a person. Israel had a problem. They cried out to God, and God sent a person. God is sending you to specific problems in the world today, in your home today, at your job. There's problems that God is sending you to. So never complain about the problems at your job, because then if there was no problems, you wouldn't have a job. So many problems. I'm a job. I just don't know what. Listen, your job doesn't just exist so you can get money. The reason you get the money is because you solve these problems. I know this is news to millennials. <laughs> I, just, I just need the best package possible and I just need benefits. And the, well, I just need you to do the job well first. No, 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 no. We don't need to talk about me doing the job. I don't need to prove anything. <laughs> I am me. It doesn't matter that you've you got to solve the problems and then you get the money. Sorry. It's a little rant there. We love you, millennials. <clears throat> Cried out, God sent a person. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the land of the Egyptians. And I delivered you from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live. But you have not listened to me. And the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah and belonged to Joash the Abizrite where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. So here they're in this terrible situation. God sent a, a prophet to explain what happened. And then here the story moves to Gideon. And a Gideon is there in this wide press. 
And what's, what is the context of his story is that he doesn't want somebody to steal the food that he's preparing. Now, he couldn't just go to the grocery store and buy a loaf of bread. They actually had to make their own bread. And Gideon's story is that he's hiding away what he's doing because he doesn't want somebody to steal his food, the Midianites. What is he? He's afraid. Hiding away. And God shows up in the middle of Gideon's life in verse 12. It says, When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Gideon is anything but a mighty warrior in this moment. He's hiding from the Midians. just trying to make a loaf of bread. He doesn't want them to steal his stuff. There's no boldness about him. God shows up in his life and he calls him a mighty warrior. So if this is you today, if you're just feeling afraid about your life and overwhelmed by your problems, this is what God shows up in the middle of your life and says, you are a mighty warrior. You can actually solve the problems that are in your life and you can solve them with me, God is saying. Don't be overwhelmed by your problems. Don't hide in fear. It's a terrible risk to live your life in fear. Terrible risk to let fear dominate you. Shows up and what does he say? You are a mighty warrior. In other words, you've got a battle to face. Does anybody who has lived on the earth more than a year or two realize that this is true? You've got some battles to face. Come on now. Are you with me today? There is battles for you to face inside your home, outside of the home, on the job, in the neighborhood. There is battles. There's battles to face. And then what does God say? You are a mighty warrior. Verse 13, I love this conversation. Pardon me, Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, why has this happened to us? Gideon completely ignored what God said. And he's like, wait, a minute, I beg your pardon, God? If you're with me, then why is anyone asked this question? Why? <laughs> why me? Why this? Why now? Why again? Why? Come on now. Are we going to be honest in church today? We're trying to figure out why, did, why is this happening? If the Lord is with me, then why this? I'm going, to, I'm going to give you a simple philosophical answer. It doesn't satisfy everything. The scripture tells us we live in a broken world. That's why there are problems. It is a very simple answer. Of why there are problems. But let me go a little bit deeper. If you know the answer why. If it, can, if it can be shown to you in a math equation. Does it actually help you? That you know exactly why something happened. I'm going to answer it for you. It's kind of a rhetorical question. It doesn't actually matter. Because you still have to face it. You still have to fight that battle regardless of why it's there. It's there. It's the battle you have to face. This is your life. Doesn't matter why. The better why is I am ready for the battle. 
God shows up and he calls me a mighty warrior. Well, why? I just want to know why. You could waste years. You could waste all of your energy figuring that out. And then once again, even if you got an exact answer, see, people ask me this question. Well, why is this happening to me? And I'm like, I don't know. I think pastors have all of the answers about every sermon. I'm like, I don't actually know. But I also know this. It doesn't matter. It's your life. You got to face it. These are your problems. I have problems that you don't have. You have problems that I don't have. So what are we going to do? I've been like, here, can you just take my problems? Do you want my problems? No, you got enough of your own. But God, listen, God is sending people to solve those problems and that's you too. Pardon me, Lord? The Lord is with us. Why has this happened to us? Where are all the wonders that the ancestors told us about? Did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now, listen. But now the Lord, this is what Gideon thinks is not true. This is what Gideon thinks. But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. Now, we can, act, we, we can talk about some specifics there. But the idea is Gideon is wrong in his assessment. We sang a song about this this morning. God has never left me or forsaken me. God has never left me at any moment in my life. So the Lord ignored this question completely. He ignored the why question. The Lord turned and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? God, listen... God is sending you to the battle. It's a terrible risk not to go. I'm just going to be afraid. And I don't know what's going to happen. And I don't know exactly what it's going to look like. It's a terrible risk to take. Ignored the why question. And he sends them to the battle. Here's a problem. God sends a person. Don't try to shirk the responsibility of your problems. What am I going to do? We're going to run to the battle. We're going to go to the battle. Verse 15. Pardon me, (laughs) my Lord. Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? Listen, listen to our excuse making. My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least In my family. Do we think this is new information to God? Do we think that God knew this before he showed up to Gideon and said, called him a mighty man of valor? Do we know that God knew this? So you can't reason yourself out of your problems by saying, I'm weak. Well, I'm the weakest, and here's my excuse, and here's why I can't do that. God already knows who you are. God already knows the measure of strength in your life. He's not leaving you alone to go to the battle. He's sending you to the battle and he's going to be with you. What are the things that we are facing? These are my things. These are my things to deal with. These are my children. This is my marriage. This is my home. This is my job. This is our world. Let's get really big. 
We can't run away from the battle. God is sending us to the battle. We're going to skip down, William, to the next portion of scripture. So now we know the end of the story. We're going to skip to Judges chapter 7. We're not going to read the whole story, but the end of the story is that Gideon gets down to 300 people to help him go to fight the battle. And the strategy that God gives them is 300 people, so they're going to surround the army, and they're going to have torches, and they're going to have clay pots over their torches, and they're going to break uh, the clay pots, and the enemy is going to look like they're surrounded in the story. They all turn on each other, and basically Gideon is able to win this war with less than the strength than he thought he needed originally. So let's read about that here in Judges chapter 7, verse 1. It says, Early in the morning, Jeroboam, that is Gideon, and all his men camped at the spring of Herod. The camp of Midian was north of them in the valley near the hill of Moreh. So they're getting ready to go to battle. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. He's like, what? Why is this a problem, God? Why is too many people in our army a problem? This makes no sense to me. You have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands or Israel would boast against me. My own strength has saved me. Now listen, verse 3. Now announce to the army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left while 10,000 remained. This is not a good situation for an army. 32,000 people showed up to fight the battle and Gideon makes it announced, hey, if you're afraid, go home. We don't need you in the battle if you're afraid. And this is good advice going into the battle is don't let fear win. Listen, listen to what fear is imaginations about the future, negative imaginations about the future. I don't praise the word of fear. I praise the word of God. Fear is words. Negative words. And so what did 22,000 men think? We're going to die. Right? They were afraid. There was no boldness about them. The Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many men. God, this, I don't like this, God. This, what do you mean there's too many? We've already gone down 22,000 people. Still too many men. Take them down by the water and I will... Thin them out for you there. If I say this one shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. So Gideon took men down to the water. And the Lord told him there, separate those who lap the water with their tongues as dogs laps from those who kneel down to drink. 300, 300 men drank from cupped hands, lapping like dogs. All the rest got down on their knees to drink. And so this was the way... They were separating out. Now, we don't know exactly why this was the test. Um, part of uh, some of the uh, commentaries I've read had to do with guys who were more alert than others. Because if you pick up the water drink, you can see what's happening. But if you've got your head down. But we don't know exactly. But somehow this was the test that God did. So they went from 32,000 to 300. They eliminated the ones who were afraid and the ones that weren't alert. So they're going to battle with 300 when they started out. 
32,000. What, what is the point of the story? The point of the story is like, we, we think if I could just, if I, if I could get someone else to do it, we could just get more people. The point of the story is the strength that comes from God is the strength that matters. The, they didn't actually end up fighting the battle. They didn't actually have to use their swords. The wisdom that came from God, the strategy that came from God, was the strategy they needed. So with the battles that I have in my life, what are we supposed to do? We're not supposed to run from them. We're not supposed to be afraid of them. But we're supposed to go to the battle in the strength of God. With the wisdom of God, with the strategy of God. But it's a terrible, terrible risk to take to cower in fear. And to say, why? Or why not somebody else? We are partnering with God to bring order to our lives and to the world. God's not leaving us alone. God is with us each step of the way. And then they won the battle. Second Chronicles chapter 20 says this. Talking about one of the kings of Judah. Then the spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah. You glad I'm reading this this morning and not you. A Levite and descendant of Asaph, as he stood in the assembly, he said, listen, King Jehoshaphat, and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to do. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. See, it can look like there's too many problems. And here's the deal. There are. There's too many problems. Have you ever woken up one day in your life and all of the problems were solved? No, there was never a day. Because why? You were either going to school and your math teacher was going to give you a problem. Or you were an adult and there was problems that you were going to deal with at work. Or there was problems that you were going to deal with at home. There will be always be battles. But the battle is not yours, but God's. See, when we go into battles, what is the point? What is the idea that if we worship fear, we lose before we start? But when we reverence God, keep him in his rightful place, understanding what these problems are, understanding that I've been called to these problems, that I am a mighty warrior in God. Battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the edge of the gorge in the desert. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your position Stand firm and see the deliverance of the Lord will give you Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. 
get out to face them tomorrow and the Lord will be with you. Listen to the language. What does it say? Take your positions and stand firm. This is what warriors in the kingdom of God do. I'm not retreating. I'm not going. I'm not, oh, okay, forget it. Too many problems. No, what are we going to do? I'm standing firm. We're just going to stand firm right in the middle of too many problems. Whatever your whatever your stance of defiance is, take it. It's like, uh-uh. I'm just going to stand firm. I'm just going to stand firm right in the middle of all of this mess. I am going to face the problems in my life. Stand firm. Do not be afraid. Go out and face them. Face it. Don't run from the problems. Face them. The Lord will be with you. Listen, and this this works. This works from the biggest of the problems to the smallest of the problems. There, listen, right now today, there's a, a thousand problems in your home. One of them is preparing your taxes, right? How how annoying is this? And if you're not good at math, like I don't want to do any math, I don't want to add anything. Does anyone have a room in your house that's a mess? If you've got kids, you do. (laughs) So what do we need to do? We need to go to the edge of that room. (sighs) I'm going to clean this. Listen, I'm not joking about that. What are you doing? You're going to bring order to God's creation in that room. It's the same, listen, it's the same if you've got to face a problem, a big, insurmountable problem at work. What are we going to do, man? Let's just face it up. Because I know God is with me. This is just a battle, but here's the deal. God fights my battle, so I don't have to be afraid. We're just going we're just going to dive into the mess. We're going to dive into the messes of life because God fights our battles and I don't have to be afraid because I am not alone. From the cleaning the room in my house to a multi-million dollar problem on the job. Let's just dive in to the battle because what does God say about you? You are a mighty man of valor. You are a mighty warrior and God is with you every step of the way. So let's face him up today. We're gonna let's let's stand up for a second. I'm just making this up as we go along. Here we go. I wasn't planning for this. Is anyone anyone got stuff that you need to deal with? Inside of the home, outside of the home. What is, what is your best stance of defiance? Let, let's all just cross our arms. We're just gonna cross our arms. We're like, okay, let's go. Let's go. We are gonna face the battles. I don't, I don't need 32,000 people. I just need me and God. Why? Because God with me is more than enough. And what he says about me, he calls me a mighty warrior. That's what he says about me. So I can do it. I can face the problems in my life. 
Let's just pray this morning. God, we we thank you this morning that you have called us mighty warriors, that you have called us to the battle. God, we don't shrink back. We don't pull back. We don't retreat. That we go forward with you. Whatever the problems that we are facing in our life right now, we know that you are with us. We don't have to be afraid. God, you are with us. And because you are with us, we have already won the battle. And we just thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Thank God. Thanks for listening. If you need prayer or would like to share how this message has impacted you, please email info at thecitychurch.ca.